Hello, my finest friends, and welcome to season 23 of Raha Lustapa. That's right, we've been recommissioned by Ian Internet. He said well, he'd give us one more series, see how it goes, and then we would have a discussion about whether it was worth carrying on. And today's guest, we start with a bang. We start with a legend. It is Paul Chuckle from Off of the Chuckle Brothers. What fantastic fun we had. Uh, it's a brilliant podcast. I know you're going to enjoy it. Paul was absolutely Phenomenal. If you enjoy these podcasts, please come and see one live. We're at the Leicester Square Theatre uh, in Mondays, in the last two Mondays of April, uh, maybe sometime in March as well. Why not go to richtrain.com slash gigs and have a look at who's coming up. It's a fantastic thing. Remember, you can watch the videos of these shows from this Series 23. Uh, you can still watch the ones that uh, are going out. gfsboxoffice.com, £10 per show. That's two interviews per show. Uh, go and watch the ones live or catch up on the ones you've missed. Anyway, let's sit back, relax and enjoy Rahalastapa with Paul Chuckle. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's considering going into politics. It's Richard Herring. Thank you. Hello. Series 23. We've been recommissioned. Hello, my fine friends, and welcome to another edition of Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Don't have to think of an acronym. It's a different thing. It's good. Uh, though I was talking to Ukrainian comedian Vladimir Zelensky from off of Paddington 2 and the Ukrainian Strictly Come Dancing and that routine where he plays a piano with his penis. Not sure what he's been up to recently, but uh, he, he calls it Rallastopus. I don't know. Have you seen that? Have you seen him playing a piano with his penis? See if Boris Johnson had done that. How I many probably has, to be fair. Uh, so, uh, yeah, World War Three uh, might be started by the time this goes out. Uh, so that's it's good to you know. We thought everything was going back to normal. I thought it was going to be the Roaring Twenties, but instead we've gone back to the nineteen tens, but with additional Nazis. That's, it's kind of nice to combine the two. World War One plus World War Two equals World War Three. It's good. It works. Works nicely. We're all, we're all laughing about it here, quite quietly. Um, we're all having fun. Uh, so, uh, oh, look, well, there's some exciting developments. Um, there, the, the people who backed the Kickstarter, to, we're being live streamed, and thank you to the people who backed the Kickstarter to make that happen. Uh, you'll get a, a mug, uh, some of you, that says, uh, I backed the Kickstarter campaign, and all I got was this lousy mug. But there's what, I've got, I'm the host of Rahalastapa. Come on. Rahalastapa, oh, terrible. And all I got is this lousy mug. And now the guests are getting, uh, I was a guest on, and all I got is this lousy mug. That's a new, that's, yeah, oh. Yeah, we've got a bit of cash to splash, I mean. It's all going well. Uh, so do look out for that. Thank you for everyone who backed it. And I should thank the people who uh, backed it to uh, get a special mention in this introduction. And I said I'd say anything I wanted about them, and most of them haven't said anything. John Lynch backed us. Thank you, John. He said, can you please ask my wife to be nice to me? Um, and I would say to his wife, look, I know you could have done better. I know you must look at him every day and think, I could have done better than this. Why did I commit to John Lynch? But he's all, he's okay. You could have done worse. So he's a nice guy, so give him a break. Uh, there's also back to buy Sophie Titwank. She, she doesn't, want, doesn't want anything else said about, how old are you? Oh, you're 21. Well, you look so young. Um, that's all right. 21's fun. I can say titwank to you. That's fine. In fact, I'm going to repeatedly throughout the show. Not this show. This show's going to be very clean. Uh, thank you to Mark McDonald as well. Mark McDonald. Uh, don't want anything said about them. Mark McDonald. Mart. Not a name, is it? Mart. Um, good. Thank you to everyone. It's good, isn't it? Just be rude about people who've given lots of money to us to do this. Um, and uh, 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 yes, look, uh, well, I, I was wondering because of uh, the whole situation in Ukraine where a comedian has gone on to be quite a successful politician, done quite well, hasn't he? And he's been, it's been a, a amazing uh, this last week, incredibly uh, uh, motivational and inspiring. Uh, and I, I wonder whether they, we should do that in the UK as well, replace the, the parliament with a parliament of actual fools rather than the fools we've got at the moment. Uh, I'm going to stand. If I can get like 400 comedians, that's all we need. 400 comedians to stand and win, then we'll be the main party in control. Would you vote for 400 comedians? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. That's, um, my plan is to modernise Parliament. This, I thought this isn't even a joke. Uh, <laughs> build a purpose-built Parliament in the middle of the United Kingdom, right in the middle, uh, with flats attached where the MPs can stay if they need to. Uh, and uh, then rent out the Palace of Westminster and sell off Buckingham Palace. Uh, to pay for it, bring in proportional representation. I think we can do it. So if you're with me, this is sign up now. That's just my first political speech. I don't think I'm quite as inspiring as the other guy. Uh, look, we're going to crack on. Um, oh, I should say, if you want, uh, there are some programs for the show uh, on the bars. If you would like to grab a program, they're free. Please take one if you haven't got one already. Uh, and uh, we're making a collection for Scope. You can put some money in for Scope if you like, but you don't have to. That's more for the people here than the people at home. But you can donate at home as well. Look, let's crack on. My guest this week is probably best known for his portrayal of Ronnie Hislop in Doctors. That's why we're here tonight. <laughs> what else has he done? He was so good in that. What else? Has he been up to anything else? Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome living legend. It's Paul Chuckle, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. <laughs> Paul Chuckle. <laughs> welcome. Sit down. There's a microphone. Hello. <laughs> it's Paul Chuckle. Can't believe it. Can't believe you're here. It's so lovely I, to have you here, Paul. I tell you what, this is lovely coming on stage and sitting in a nice armchair like this. You never yeah. have this at home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have deck chairs. <laughs> oh, deck chairs, yeah. It's nice that this comedy thing, just so you can have a comedy routine at home where you try to put up a chair and <laughs> fall into the middle of it. Um, do you remember? You've done quite a lot of acting, and I think you're a very fine actor. I did not catch you in Doctors. Do you, you didn't catch no, Doctors. Didn't, oh, well, it's on in the afternoon. You were still asleep in bed. No, no, I, I loved it playing that uh, Ronnie Hislop. Yeah, I had. Uh, I was in a uh, old folks' home. Right. It's obviously nobody here has saw it at all. I, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> did anyone see Doctors with uh, Paul in? No. It's, it's very, very popular show. I know that. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was by, um, I was, uh, I, I was uh, in a love triangle. I was supposed to be... <laughs> what was funny about that? <laughs> yeah, I was in a love triangle with um, Heidi High. Um... Sue Pollard? No, 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 Sue Pollard, yes. Yeah. That wasn't Heidi High, though. <laughs> OK. <laughs> no, no, or was it? It might have been. Yeah. Yeah, and um, who was just it? Hello, campers. Oh, Ruth Maddock? Ruth Maddock. Yeah, they were nice my two. Okay. Sue Pollard and Ruth Maddock were my two love. Oh, wow. I'm going to look this up on It wasn't, there. wasn't serious. I'm sorry. My wife's in the audience. <laughs> so I have to, yeah. There was nothing serious about it, but it was, it was good fun. Great yeah. fun. Yeah. Good. Well, we will check that out. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, look, there's so much to talk to you about, but I've had such fun and it didn't feel like work, but my job today was to watch things from your career, including Chuckle Vision, of course. Imagine watching Chuckle Vision and, th and that being your job. Imagine that. I say, I'm so sad. I watch it myself on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what an amazing career. I thought you, I thought you started in 67. Tom Beck said you started in 63. 1963, Edinburgh Palladium with Dorothy Squires. Right. There's nobody in here who remember Dorothy Squires. <laughs> but yeah, she was, a, she was a very famous singer at the time. And uh, she was top of the bill. I was 15 years old. Barry was 18. And uh, she came off stage... And she was effing and blinding. I've never, at 15, I had never heard a girl swear, let alone a woman swear. <laughs> and she was, every word in the book she was coming out with about the, the musical director. I get that into my dressing room now because he's a, over and over. It was awful, awful to watch. It really was. <laughs> Well, that's she's not with us anymore, so she can't. No, she she can't, can't have a go at me about that. But you've stayed. You've actually stayed very clean, haven't you? Throughout your, you never, you never, you never went blue. We did. We, we were never blue. No. no. Which I mean, must have been a temptation it, when well, you're playing the working men's clubs. All the working men's clubs. Yeah, I think the bluest we ever got was uh, we saw uh, Barbara Castle at uh, the airport. Right. Asked her where she was going. She said, "I'm going to Bangkok." And she said, you might as well, you banned everything else in the country. So <laughs> that, that was the bluest we ever got. So, <laughs> um, so do you, do you, well, you, the, it was a showbiz family, right? So your dad was a, a famous comedian, worked in, uh, yeah. in the musicals. I, he I did, guess. yeah. Dad was a comic, he, uh, Gene Patton, G-E-N-E, -E, uh, which Huey Green years later called, we want to hear her. <laughs> it was my dad, you know. Um, yeah, he, he actually got banned... From, from radio, he did something like 395 uh, radio broadcasts right. before TV, before the war. 
and uh, he got banned for two years for finishing a joke with, and it was as smooth as a baby's bottom. Right. And he was banned for two years for TV. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> what you get on TV now? <laughs> yeah, amazing. amazing. But yeah. luckily for him, it was 1939 and he had six years of war, so there was no, no radio for him to do anyway. He was, he was away fighting. Correct. <laughs> right. Something good came from World War II. I mean, if there's World War III, I'm going to take that as the reason my career's gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a nuclear war probably will have an effect on most people's career, but let's, let's see. Uh, so it's a big family, six kids, and, and, and a lot of you went. Did all of you go into show business? Or no, not all. Four um, of you. Uh, Jimmy and Brian, the eldest two, they, yeah. the Patton brothers, they, they did um, a comedy double act yeah. um, for years. Uh, my sister went to be a dancer, but in those days they used to get two pounds a week and they had to pay digs. And she did two years of it touring round, and then the last week she ever did was in, in London, somewhere in London, and her digs were £2.10. shillings. Right. For the younger ones, that's £2.50. <laughs> yeah, and, and she was only getting £2, so she had to ring home for, for money to be sent down to pay for her digs, and she thought, this is ridiculous, you know, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And she packed it in. Okay. Which we thought about many times as well. We thought, yeah. what we're we doing with our lives? <laughs> no, but um, yeah, Colin was a motor mechanic. He never wanted to go in the business. And then, of course, Barry, he went straight in at 15. He worked with an act called the Singing Scholars and they toured uh, Europe. Um, they, they did all sorts of shows. Um, and then uh, Freddie Starr was in the act, same act. Right. And Freddie got sacked after three months because he's a nutcase. <laughs> he really was. He was absolutely mental. And brilliant comic. So funny. I mean, everybody knows that Freddie, fabulous comic, but he was just over the top. Yeah. He, he wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't do what he was told to do. Right. And uh, he got the sack from that. But then I was never going to join the business because uh, I think you well know because we've talked about it. I was always going to be a footballer. Yeah. That's all I ever wanted to do. I dreamed about it. I slept about it. I'd, you know, I played for all the school teams. Um, we had a fabulous team. I got in uh, Rotherham Boys when I was 14 and got a terrible injury and that was my career over. But our team, eight of the team, would have been nine with me, all turned professional. And it's an ordinary, ordinary school team. It's amazing from a school team and ne never, never lost a, a match. We never lost a match from 11 to 14, yeah. 15. Didn't lose a game at all. There's only one that was became a bit of a name was uh, my very best mate, Phil Cliff, who lived two doors away from the age of three. We were playing football in the garden all the time. And he ended up playing for Sheffield United in the first division. Yeah. And, uh, I mean... He, he was a brilliant player, he really was. At 18, he got in the first team at Sheffield because Gil Rees, who was a brilliant professional um, international for Wales, he was injured and he got in at 18. Yeah. And in those days, in the 60s, 18-year-olds just didn't play in first teams in the top division. And he scored the winner at Tottenham, 1-0. In the midweek game, I think they were playing West Ham and he, he scored one and made two as a, as a winger. And then on the Saturday, they beat somebody else and he scored the goal again. And uh, all the newspapers, the News of the World and all that were all saying, what a wonder boy, Cliff, and all that. I think I've still got something somewhere saying, my mate, wonder boy, yeah. Cliff, you know, swine. <laughs> and, and he, um, yeah, and, uh, but the Monday he was called in by the gaffer and he told him that, um, he said, look, Gil's fit again. And on Saturday, he's going to be back in the team and you're going to be back in the reserves, but... Don't worry, I'll give you a chance. You'll get your chance again, you know, we'll use you, no problem. And I said to him, I said, well, I'd go in in the morning and slap a transfer on the, on the desk, you know, and say, I, I want to move, you know, if you're going to drop me again. Yeah. You know, surely you can find another position. But they didn't do that in the 60s. You know, a left winger was covered by a left winger. And if the left winger, the first team came back in, he was out, rather than saying, well, we'll put you in at, you know, number 10 or we'll put yeah. you in at number four. No, they didn't do that then. So three more years, he never played again for Sheffield United. Was transferred to Chesterfield, who to this day is a, a big name there, Philip Cliff at Chesterfield. Is, is a name that's gone down a legend forever. Yeah. Uh, 27, his career was going down. He went to Worksop Town. Have you ever heard of Worksop Town? <laughs> <laughs> you have? Yeah, good. Yeah, he... Um, <laughs> 
he played for them for two or three years and then he packed it in and then moved to Mor Asda in Rotherham as a <laughs> stealth, a shelf stacker. And that, that was his, how he finished up his uh, rest of his life. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange thing, isn't it? And you could easily have been a sport, you could have been a footballer yourself and that would have been, it's, it's, and when you think about how long your career has been as an entertainer and how <laughs> successful that's been, and to just keep working for that length of time is incredible. But you could have gone into football. I could. I, I mean, could. you're saying backstage you could have gone into football and actually then done the Chuckle Brothers because you would have been done, about the right age. Both. I could have done both. Yeah. I, was, I was 39 <laughs> coming up 40 when yeah. we did the first series of Chuckle Vision. So I'd have been packing in the uh, football at 34. <laughs> I could have still done both careers, you know. That would have been magic. That would have been a magic life. But. Do you still regret the, the football not coming? Is it still, it seems like a... Well, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. I mean... I, I've loved football all my life, right from a kid. You know, me and Phil, Phil Cliff, yeah. we used to, from the age of eight, we used to go down every single Saturday to Milmo to watch Rotherham play. The home team and the following week we'd watch the reserves. And it just every single week, every Saturday we went to the matches. Yeah. Just, we lived football, yeah. you know. That's all I ever wanted. And I was uh, quite a few months of really upset when I got injured, I tell cool. you. But... I'm over that now. <laughs> I could have played. I could have yeah. made a star. Yeah. and might <laughs> still call you up to be in the team. <laughs> I tell you, what, York City might call you up to be in the team. Who I support, York. You probably you probably get into the Who's York that? squad. <laughs> York City, they're pretty oh. good. Pretty good team. Are they? I think, oh, you, I, think oh. I might get in the team for York. Have you heard of that, lads? <laughs> no, no. See, no, somebody heard Worksop, but they didn't know York. <laughs> no, they were, they were once quite good. Yeah, but yeah they're so. a good team. They're good yeah. lads. Good they lads. lads. Um, so yeah, so you 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 basically got into opportunity knocks and and then new faces. So those were the sort of talent shows of the. They were. Of yeah. The, of the, of the, there was all of the. Yeah, they're like Britain's Got Talent yeah, today. Britain's yeah, Britain's Got Talent yeah, today. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. you, you Huey, did pretty well in both of those. Yeah, Huey Green, ninety six to seven up knocks. We we won that for one week, and then um, back into obscurity. For a couple of months, you know, the clubs said, oh, yeah, we'll have them, we'll have them. Yeah. The Harman brothers, yeah, we saw them on Knock Knocks, yeah, we'll have the clubs, and then they forget who you are again. Unless you're on every single week on the TV, nobody knows you. Yeah. And then um, we slogged around for a few years, and then 1974, we actually won New Faces. Right. And um, that was great, that, you're a star, superstar. <laughs> and it was a wonderful feeling, the warmth of walking down and everybody's clapping you, even the other acts are all clapping you and you go forward and they go, <laughs> we've done it. No, no, we hadn't. <laughs> no, we went, then went into pantomime um, in Bournemouth uh, with uh, Arthur Askey yeah. and Dickie Henderson. Wow. Two great names, two yeah. fabulous comics. The um, Arthur, well, there's a story for you. Arthur, at Bournemouth Pavilion, there's like, must be 30 steps, concrete steps, from the dressing rooms below the stage up to the stage level. And he used to go up for his opening entrance and then he wouldn't come down till the interval. He'd sit on a chair at the top of the stairs and wait. We, me and Barry used to say, you know, why doesn't he, he's not on for 15 minutes, why didn't he go back to his dressing room, you know? Why sit up there? And that was it, we never asked him, nothing. And then Barry's last pantomime, um, 2018, 17, 18, in Southampton, we were sitting at the side of the stage on these chairs, waiting for our next entrance. <laughs> and we looked at each other and we both started to laugh. And I said, do you remember him? Arthur, yes. <laughs> Arthur asked us to sit up there, rather than walk all the way down the stairs and all the way back up, we found it much easier to sit at the side of the stage on some chairs rather than going back. Sure. I mean, time moves on and you become the same person, don't you? Yeah. You know, you all do. But it's, that's, I think, what's so amazing is that you... And also, I think, because your act sort of... It's a, it's a little bit of a throwback to the musical times, right? There's a lot of sort of silent comedy in there and the silent film stuff. And so it's it's sort of the... Given that you had that long career on the TV doing that stuff, it's sort of the la, almost the last example of that sort of comedy on TV. So you, your your career stretches almost longer than than your actual career because it's, it's a throwback to something that existed before that doesn't really exist anymore. And you worked with all those yeah. greats. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, um, we'd, we'd been in the business like um, 23 years or so when we got our, our first break, yeah. proper break, um, which was uh, obviously Chucklevision. Yeah. was the big one. And 
we we brought all those years of we'd done everything. We've done ice shows, we've done aqua shows, we've done circus, we've done you name it, we've done it. And we thought when we get our own series there, we're not going to let it go. You know, we're going to just put 100% into it. And we didn't aim it at kids. We aimed it at family right from the start. It was for the mums, dads, grannies, granddads, kids, everything. Never did anything that was rude. Never did, never touched toilets, for instance. We never actually touched electric plugs or turning lights on, nothing like that. It was all down to earth. Yeah. Mums and dads, let the kids watch it, it's fine. Watch it itself. And uh, I think it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think, again, in those days, it feels like the, you, you served your apprenticeship, you did, though. I mean, even Morecambe and Wise did years and years... Of, of clubs and you know and they, they had success and then they went back and they went back and forth and you you learnt your trade in those uh, clubs exactly yeah and then when you, when you got your moment then you had your moment but and you were you, because you, you as you say you worked with Charlie Caroli in the circus which old old Charlie yeah I mean we know young Charlie is still still around yeah he's a good mate of mine but old Charlie was the funniest man we've ever worked with he was unbelievably funny at the Tower Circus at Blackpool yeah and. Uh, I mean, we did this routine where he, he, he was like the stage manager. Old thing, you know, he's a brown smock and a cup of tea in his hand. And he was arguing with the, um, with the ringmaster at first. And then uh, he goes off and then me and Barry come on to do a song, uh, Singing in the Rain. And we said, Maestro, boom, uh, singing in the rain, just sing. And we're dancing about, and, and then stop, stop, hang on, hang on, stop, 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 stop. Where's the stage manager? And then Charlie had come back on with his brown coat and his mug of tea. And uh, I'd say, you know, where's the rain? What rain? I said, we're singing in the rain, you know, we're supposed to have rain. You've seen Gene Kelly with the dancing in the rain, you need all that. Where is it? Nobody told me. Well, I want it, I want it now. Just a minute, don't talk, hang on. And he gives Barry the mug of tea and said, you, you don't talk to me like that, blah, blah, blah. And while he's doing that, Barry's having a sup of the tea and he, <laughs> and he does a slow double take. <laughs> it was brilliant. Double takes from Charlie Caroli. We learnt a lot from him, we really yeah. do. was absolutely superb. And then he'd go, you like my tea? <laughs> oh, very nice. You want my tea? And it was, obviously, it was over his head and all that. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, it was brilliant. But yeah. the actual routine... When he said, you want water, we'll get you water. And we walked off and said, we're not coming back until we've got it. And they brought this big ladder on, huge A-frame ladder. And um, his, his, his feed, the guy, you know, I don't even remember, old Jimmy. Yeah. He had a real face. It was, it was like a gurney in face all the time, <laughs> right. you know. It was, he never spoke, but he looked so funny. And they had him on the A-frame with a bucket a bucket of water up on the top of the ladder and then he calls us back and we come in is this it yeah that's it right and he said right we'll start okay there's your rain so we call maestro please we're singing and we danced across the ring like that and he's all so they had to come down the ladder move the a-frame across to where we were now <laughs> singing again and as soon as he got up to the top of the ladder we danced the other way again away. <laughs> so we, we stopped ah, stop 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 where's the rain you say, well, Rain, we're trying to do it. And it was arguing about it again. And I say, look, all we need is water. We need water. Oh, you need water, Charlie. Goes, yeah, so, right, you got it. So, <laughs> Maestro, please. And they came on with loads of buckets of water, throwing it all over <laughs> us. Charlie came out with a hose pipe and he's spraying it all <laughs> over us. And I don't know if you know Blackpool Tower Circus, the, the, the ring sinks. There's water underneath it. All the water comes up. Right. So we're dancing and it's going up our ankles, up to our <laughs> knees. And we're still dancing. It's up to our thighs. And we're going, hang on, it's too much water. Because <laughs> there's sinks, rinks singing. It was, uh, it was so funny. Yeah. Um, oh. stuff. And the beauty thing about it was old, uh, the, old, the old feed guy, he was so miserable. He hated water. We don't think he ever took a bath in his life. <laughs> and he used to help us out. And this one night we said, right, he's going in. And as he's helping us out, we pulled him in. He went head first. And then I've never seen anybody bounce out the water so quick in my life. He was up and out again. And old Charlie was killing himself. But what fabulous stories he had as well. Yeah. Fabulous stories he used to tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I remember that's one of my early TV memories is Charlie Caroli. So, yeah. yeah it's, uh, oh, he was great. Yeah. He really was.
But you can see in, and you know, I think like rewatching Chucklevision, the 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 there's so much work has gone into it, and you can and in the, it's exactly that. It's the reactions. It's all the timing of it, and obviously you've you've developed this amazing, uh, you know, between the two of you, you've got this amazing uh, relationship because it's lifelong as well. It's not just the time you work together; it's you know your entire life together. Exactly as I was saying to you earlier, I'm terrible at reading. I still am today. All the scripts and things I had to learn it was awful trying to read them because. I'm not dyslexic or anything, I'm just lazy. I was really lazy. <laughs> uh, because we used to go to bed at night and he'd read me a story rather than reading a book, you know, before you sleep and then I'm tired now, sleep. But he'd read the story to me, you know, cowboy things, all sorts of books he'd read and I'd fall asleep. So I think it's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's instinctive because of all that time you spent together, but it's, it, the craft in it is amazing. And I think, you know, I think like even in, you might think, oh, with Chuckle Brothers, it's just a silly kid show, but you put so much work into making that, and the, the professionalism of it is, yeah. is extraordinary, I think. It, it was fabulous. I really loved every minute of filming yeah. Chuckle Vision. We had the same crew almost from the start to right. finish, because all of them, we had so much fun. They all wanted to come back the following year, and they were all freelance. Yeah. So we had the same camera crew, same lighting, same sound, same makeup. You you name it, they were all all there every year. And the only had... ones that changed were the runners, right? Because they didn't like to work for hundred quid a week. <laughs> <laughs> and then they ended up running the channels, probably. Exactly. Now they're <laughs> in they... charge of Channel Five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they probably cancelled the show. Yeah. After. Uh, this but... is only apple juice, by the way. <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, you had big, you had big guest stars on that show as well. You had the big names on there. We did Harry Hill. Yeah, on there. Yeah, uh, um, Roy Castle did yeah. his, his very last TV wow. show was Chucklevision. Wow. Yeah, I was trying to get uh, Barry into the Guinness Book of Records, <laughs> and he was getting fed up because everything he tried, it was absolutely rubbish. <laughs> uh, it ended up at the end of the show that he was uh, he got into the Guinness Book of Records for the most attempts to get into the <laughs> records I put him in. That is a lovely fella, lovely fella, Roy. Yeah. And we, we knew him when we were kids, because he was a good friend. He was right. actually in the Dead End Kids with, uh, I think it was either with Brian or Jimmy. Right. You know, when they were, they were only 15, 16. Right. Uh, so they were friends for years, and he used to come to our house, you know, when we were tiny. So we'd known him for years. Yeah, he was incredible. I saw, I saw a, there was a, someone on, on uh, Twitter put, put a clip of him when he was... Uh, he was tap dancing and playing all kinds of uh, percussion um, instruments, but Shep went nuts yeah. and started jumping up at him. Yeah. And he doing this really complicated routine and the dog jumping up and he kind of incorporated it and carried on doing <laughs> this know. incredible what, dance. What, <laughs> you brought something up there. Uh, really? <laughs> One red nose day, yeah. me and Barry swapped with the presenters for Blue Peter. All right. And they did a, a bit of chuckle vision and we presented Blue Peter. Okay. And I sat down, and the dog sat here, and I sat down like that, going, woo, woo, bit me ankle. I said, what's it? And they said, oh, I should have told you, it does that to everybody, it doesn't like people, it's a horrible dog. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, all the kids in the country love it, say, oh, what a beautiful dog, it's a swine. It is, <laughs> grabbed it, horrible thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know why they kept it on, you know, they should have got another, I mean, one, one dog looks the same as the other, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, that was a Petra, I suppose. It died, didn't you? The Petra, the Petra, one of the first dogs, mm. they introduced it to the kids and then it, the, the, the dog died and so mm. they just replaced it with another dog that looked the same. Are you allowed to say that? Yeah, I think so. I think people know, <laughs> I think people know that. Mind you, we did that with our dog. Oh, well, oh. We, we got this puppy and Nicholas, our number two son, he, uh, he was about 10, 11, right. and he wanted a dog, so we got this, this little puppy, a little black Labrador, and it, it was cute, it was what, but it was a little swine, it would not sit still, it was here, there, everywhere, it was tearing things up, and it was only in like seven or eight weeks old, and um, we said, we can't live with this, we had it about three or four days, so we, we took it back, or the wife took it back, and um, they said, look, have you, have you got another one that's more a bit quieter, because yeah. it's mental? And they said, oh, no problem, yeah. And they give this other, this other one, which was Mordu, which was a beautiful dog. And he was gorgeous. And Nick came home from school and said, and he's playing with it. And he comes and said, there's something wrong with the dog. He said, he won't play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we never told him till he was about 30. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the 
<laughs> he thought it was the same dog, but it had just quietened down a bit. <laughs> I'm glad you took the dog back because I thought for a minute you were going to kill the dog. No, 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 no. This is going to end his career. This is the end of the career. The live streaming, there's no way out of this. I mean, you're telling me about because I well, it's such a slapstick show and so much. You know, I was watching the one in the supermarket where you're all in foam and knocking over cans. Oh, and, and I kind of wonder. I was wondering, you know, if you ever got hurt, and you were telling me backstage that you never, you never did. Well, I, as I say, never did. Not, not badly. No. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. I ran into a big pyramid of cans. Yeah. On that, split my nose right oh, across the top okay. there. So that's the only time I did. But, but Barry, it was so unlucky on that. Three times he had really bad accidents. Right. It, you know, which obviously you're not going to publicise. You're not going to say, oh, by the way, Barry hurt himself doing this. <laughs> you know, there was one where he was. Uh, it was one of my ideas. Obviously, we got this skip, and I said, you hang on to that rope, you know, and I'll put the stuff in the skip. And we had the rope going up round a lamppost and back down to the skip. Well, I'm throwing stuff into the skip and it's getting heavier and heavier and he's pulling like this and suddenly it starts going down the hill and it's pulling him up. And the guys holding the skip were supposed to stop it when he got up to the lamppost and they didn't. And the bull rope went round, right round the back of his hand up against the, the lamppost and he's going, ah, and he's screaming with pain. It, it wouldn't go, he'd locked it. He'd stopped it moving by it wrapped round his hand and it ripped, ripped all the skin off the back of his hand. He had to go to the hospital, obviously, have it bandaged and yeah. different stuff. And that was number one. Right. But were... it's happening to Barry Chuckle, so yeah. it's still, it's yeah. still yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's still funny, it's Barry Chuckle. It's okay. No, and then he... Uh, <laughs> uh, then he and I, I was telling you earlier, he always turned straight to me. He, he didn't shout anybody else from the crew. He always shout me, you know, because we were so close. And I, yeah. he, what he thought I was going to do with that skip, I don't know. <laughs> then uh, the next one, he was, we had this... Um, this contraption built up with a water pressure with a cannon built up on a, on a big build thing that we, I don't even remember what we were firing at, but it was when they turned the water pressure on, he was supposed to be holding it and guiding it. And when they turned the water pressure on before he opened the shooting thing, it's, you know, the power of the water against the thing, it broke off, smacked him right in the mouth. Luckily, it didn't break any teeth or anything, but he had a huge bruise around here. And again, he turned around, is it bleeding, Paul? He went, you know, poor chuff. And then the third one, we were doing a haunted house thing. And we had a beautiful old house. It was in uh, in Scarborough. And um, it had been a, a, a girls' school. It had been a, an old folks' home, all sorts over the years. And it was being empty for a couple of years. And we were using it for a haunted. And there was these two big gargoyles either side of the, the staircase at the bottom. And between shots, Barry's sitting there, looking at his script, ready for the next shot, setting everything up. And suddenly, one of these gargoyles, for no reason, fell over straight on his head. Bang! Again, hospital. He wasn't, he wasn't badly hurt, but in case he got concussion or anything, he'd got a slight cut on his head. But I mean, I never got anything. <laughs> well, I got, I did, I did. I got a cut across my nose. Yeah, <laughs> with some cans. Yeah. It's like the universe knew that it was Barry Chuckle and, oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, a gargoyle falling on it. It's a shame you didn't have a camera I know, on it. it should have been there, should have. <laughs> it should have been there. I think the producer, Martin, didn't like the idea of it being publicised. <laughs> He's in charge and Barry Chuckle's got hit again. <laughs> but... I mean that the, because the characters are so strong and you're so you know you're so identifiable because you, the the look is I presume you can't really hide the look too much even if you want to so if you're out in the real do you think it's a bit vain do you think I could shave this off and have my hair done differently I'll get away with it. well I kind of want to ask you about that but I'll, I'll leave that for the minute but when you you were involved in a motorcycle accident in oh, in, in Greece with you in yeah, the Greek islands I did now I'll tell you the truth now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a place in, in Greece, in Kefalonia, and Sue had, uh, had taken the car into the capital Argostoli. She had to go to the bank and different stuff. And I said, well, I'll, I'll go and pay that bill at the plumbers in the next village. And um, I said, I'll use PJ's um, scooter, not scooter, um, what do you call it, moped, little moped. And there was a bit of a, a, a blackout. You get it all the time on the islands, you know, there's, suddenly there's no electricity for about 10, 15 minutes. And at that time he'd gone off and his helmet and stuff was down in the, in the cellar downstairs. I thought, well, I'm not going to go down there in the cellar. I've never, ever fallen off a bike, you know, ever. Yeah. So I don't need the helmet, I'll be fine. 
I take it, I went and paid the bill. Luckily for them, I'd paid the bill. I was on my way back. <laughs> on my way back, and there's a very sharp right and left over a little bridge. And now I was coming down the hill, no traffic around, nothing. And I thought, you know, I remember going to school on my bike. You know, you do that down, <laughs> yeah. the, down the road, just lean it and lean it and lean it. And I thought, ah, oh, I'll come into the bend. I'll lean it round the bend rather than turn it like you do on your bike. Forgetting it's a moped that's got a flatbed at the bottom. <laughs> I went round the corner, it hit the thing and it just shot off. And I hit the floor and I've never heard a noise like it. The bang as my head hit the floor. I thought, I've gone. It was instant. I thought, I'm dead. And I skidded across the floor. It scraped all down my face, right down. And... Um, I don't know if I was knocked out or not. I don't think I was. I seemed to have got straight up. Yeah. And um, I sort of limped straight away. Ow, 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 what's that? The, the thing's still... Still live, yeah. you know. And I picked it up and this woman stopped and she said, are you OK? I said, yes. <laughs> I've got blood coming down my face, my elbow, my everything. So I picked it up, moved it out of her way and she drove off. I thought, thank you very much. <laughs> Luckily, as I put leaned it against the wall, this guy come in, a, a big Mercedes guy, and he um, he said, "Ah, oh, mate, what's happened? What's happened? Are you off your bike?" And I said, "Yeah, I don't." He said, "I'll take you to the doctors. It's on down there." And he was brilliant, lovely guy. He took me to the doctors, and they sorted me out, put a stitch in my elbow. Um, and then I told Phil, Phil Dale, my my manager, and he said, "Right, okay, don't leave, don't worry about it." Next, I see on Reuters they've got <laughs> Paul Chuckle came off his mo it's Harley Davidson and a Greek island <laughs> because he swerved to miss a, a load of sheep crossing the road. <laughs> and, and then a, a coach load of tourists stopped and shouted, to you, to me, to you. <laughs> Can't believe it. Unbelievable. But oh. there you are. So I've now put the story straight for oh, everybody. Well, that's good. Well, it's good to exclusive to find out that wasn't <laughs> yeah. true. It was a shame. But was that... Is that <laughs> because that was the story that the, the tourists have uh, been quoting your catchphrase? Oh, so many but, people said to me afterwards, "Say, did they really say to you, to me, and you were in, uh, on the floor injured?" No, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but did, did you find? Because I, I was, you know, I was watching. I've got two young kids, and you're watching someone like Mr. Tumble, and you think that guy, you know, he's had a very successful career as a children's entertainer. But can he ever go anywhere? Like, with, if he has his own kids, I don't know if he's got kids, but he went. Anywhere. Could you? Were you able to have any kind of life outside of the Chuckle Brothers in terms of that? If if people saw you, weren't weren't they expecting you to be on? And no. if kids saw you at a place where you were leaving kids, they would yeah be excited, presumably. Yeah, and in the early days, um, I, I tried to keep away from from a lot of people yeah. because, because you were constant. There was no telephones, which was probably a good thing. You know, they yeah. couldn't, nowadays, everybody's, uh, can we have a selfie? Oh, can I have a selfie? Can I have Because everybody's got a phone in the, in the pocket, haven't they, with a the, with the camera on it. Um, but in the early days, it was all autographs. You know, right. can I have an autograph? Which took up more time. Yeah. You know, I was doing that. So I used to try and keep out the way a lot. Nowadays, I don't care. No. I really like it now, if you want to fall to anybody. <laughs> But it's, you know, when you've created something that successful, and again, it's the look. And so how did, what was the look just there? When I sort of picture you both having moustaches when you're six years old. That's why I really want to be the case. But there must have been a moment where you decided we're going to go for the moustaches, we're going to go for the... Because it was even, yeah. even more extreme, the, the original chuckle haircut yeah. was, you it, know... was a, it, it was, yeah. Uh, I was seven, actually, when I got the moustache. <laughs> no, I... Um, I actually grew a first moustache I grew, I was 23. Right. I was very late in life growing the whiskers. And um, I, I kept it. Barry, Barry, about two or three years after me, he grew a moustache right. as well. Uh, we had curly perms in the 70s. <laughs> Still with a long mullet at the back, the curly <laughs> mullet at the back. And, um, yeah, things evolve. Uh, actually working with Stu Francis in pantomime. And I liked the way... He, he put moose in his hair and and it was done. Yeah. It was all sticking up. And I thought, that's much easier than having a curly perm, that. So I had my hair cut and I did the same thing and I kept it ever since. Yeah. And but then, it's, so, again, it's so, it's, 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 you know, it's finding the gimmick, it's finding the look and you've, you've found the look. But we didn't do it purposely. It no, just happened. I it's like to me, to you. Yeah. You know, we always did that. We, um, if we went into a flat for the summer season and we'd walk in, to me... Not to you, but to me, <laughs> I would walk in and, and I would just sit there and say, this is fine, put the telly on, you know. Barry, no. 
that is like that fence here, we would call it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he liked to move everything out. The set here would be better over here and that chair here and we could have the table here. No, it's fine. No, no, no. Okay, okay, where do you want it? And they would say, put this here, right? And we go, to me, to you, to me, to you, <laughs> and move it. And it was just a natural thing we always did. Yeah. And then the first se first ep first series of the, I think probably episode two, uh, we had to move something. And we did, to me, to you, to me, to you, moved it. Next day, going into the circus, we were, were at the circus at Blackpool. Right. With, with um, not old Charlie then, no, it was years later. We were doing the circus at Blackpool and... We were filming in the morning in Manchester, travelling to Blackpool and doing two fifteen matinee and a seven fifteen evening show every day. It was absolute killer. Yeah. But we were walking into the, the, the theatre, and we had some building guys on the site shouted, "To you, to me, to you." <laughs> we went, "What?" <laughs> we didn't understand why they were saying it, and we hadn't realised we'd done it on the on the show. Right. You know, because we just did it naturally. To yeah. me, to you, to put it there, and oh, it's just gone on from there. And I think most people in the country know it now and say it. Yeah. Everybody seems to say, well, every day we, move, we move furniture and we go, to you, to me, to you. And I said, well, yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. You know, it's funny how things catch on like that, isn't it? But it's amazing that that's, you know, and then that, I mean, but I think a lot of catchphrases start in that way that you don't even, you know. Because yeah. it moon on a stick, which was one of our catchphrases for Lee and Herring, we just would say that to each other for ages. I think we, came, we didn't use it for ages. In, in this case, we just used to say it all the time to each other. And I think one day we went, should we try and t turn that into a, a thing? And it sort of became a thing. So it's sort of, it is interesting that it just comes up as a silly thing exactly. to say. Exactly. We never you You're never amusing yourself it. and you don't even think of going, oh, we'll put that in. You know, because we obviously thought of, because fan Dabby Dozy, was around in those days and yeah. all that and we thought we've got to have something like that so we we're going silly you silly me and and that stuff that never caught on no. you know <laughs> nothing oh dear oh dear did a bit yeah but the the main one was always say which we didn't even think about to you to me yeah it's because i mean it's a fun, but it's also funny it's not just a catchphrase it's funny that it's always do you moving it in the same direction? Because it's to me, to you, isn't? It's not well, to be to me. It's to me, to you. So it's well, so we, it's you're no. both moving the thing in the in the exactly, same direction. Exactly, exactly. Well, <laughs> so it's the, a joke, which is quite unusual for a catchphrase. It is actually. Yeah. A, well, we did we did write a few of the episodes ourselves. One that I wrote myself was uh, chimney one, chimney sweeps, and um, I wrote into that and push, pushing the thing up the chimney, and I'm going to you, to me, to you, to me. And I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "To you, to me." No, no, you can't do that on a job like this. It's got to be to you, to you, and further up the chimney. So we're going to you, to you, and further up the chimney. <laughs> you know, there's, there's lots of stuff you can do with yeah. it. I mean, we had some great fun with it. Um, and you, do, you ended up doing the... You worked with Tinchy Strider doing this, that song. Which is... Well, we did, yeah. Well, we, we did um, Keith, Keith Lemon's show. Right. You know, Celebrity, Celebrity Juice. Juice, yeah. And uh, we were in, uh, in two... There was four aside in two teams. Yeah. We were the bang... Am I allowed to say bastards? No. Yeah. Well, well that's, what we were. We were the bang, that's what we were. We were the bang bastards okay. in our team. <laughs> and Tinchy was on the team. And we were sitting uh, in the green room. And I was sitting next to Tinchy and we were talking. We got on like wildfire. We really got on well. <laughs> and uh, end, end of the... We had selfies and things, you know, on the settee. And um, changed, exchanged numbers. There was nothing gay about it. <laughs> no, but we, we got on really great. Yeah. And um, no one thought there was until that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Another exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to carry on with that. <laughs> no. no. So um, I, I put on Twitter and Instagram, I put the pictures of us yeah, and yeah. chatting. And everybody was coming on saying, when's the, the collab coming? You know, when's the song coming out? When are you going to do it? So I phoned him and I said, um, I'm getting all this stuff here about the club. He said, I'm getting the same on my feeds. He said, he said, I tell you what, why don't you come down to the... I've got a studio in North London. Come down, we'll record something, about six, seven seconds. We'll put it on Instagram. And, you know, and just for a laugh, so yeah. here it is. So we said, oh, fine. So we went down, he picked us up at the King's Cross and we, we went to his studio. And <laughs> it was a lovely little studio. It did smell a bit. Not nastily, you know, but <laughs> depend, depends what you smoke, I suppose. But, <clears throat> I, I, I love a scotch. Yeah. Not that this is, this is apple juice. You wouldn't have a pint of, of scotch, Of course would you? you wouldn't, no. Oh, no one would so, do that. <laughs> so 
we're, we're getting there and uh, we've got no script to this thing. Yeah. But uh, Dirty David, no, no, <laughs> David, who is the, his, um, <laughs> a producer, okay. he, he's, he's written the music for it. Yeah. And it goes to walk in, it's playing. And I said, that sounds good, catchy, what's that? He said, I've written that for you. He said, I've got it there for you. And, all right. So we're having a chat and uh, we've got a bottle of scotch there and for me and David. <laughs> and uh, everybody else has got these flute things. I don't know what they were. <laughs> but um, it, it, Tinchy goes in the corner with cans on. He's, he's doing this in the corner. And I said, what's he doing? He said, he's doing the first couple of lines. I said, what? He said, well, he'll tell you in a minute. So then he takes the cans off. He comes over, your turn. <laughs> We said, what? He said, well, I've, I've just said, uh, hello, you must be the Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> I said, yeah, and? He said, will you answer me? So said, all right. So me and Barry went over and we went, whatever it was. And then he went and did it. It went on like that. And we just kept going. We thought, this is much longer than... And he said, yeah, but it sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll try and put more down. So anyway, we'd finished. It, it did sound all right. It wasn't brilliant, but it sounded all right. <laughs> And then uh, Jamal Edwards, poor Jamal, great guy, oh, wow. who's just passed away. Yeah, he's um, he he got it. He got hold of it because Tinchy was a friend of his. And he came uh, he, he came on and said, "Would you mind coming back down to London and uh, and recording it on 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 tape? Right. And uh, we'll put it out as a song." We said, "Well, it was only a mess about." <laughs> they said, "Yeah, but it's a bit of fun. Would you do it for um, the?" Afro-Caribbean Leukemia Society. And they said, oh, yeah, no problem whatsoever. So we went back down and Jamal was there and we did the video, we did the whole thing. And then they let it out for charity and it had over three million downloads and uh, was number one in the hip-hop charts for two weeks. <laughs> well, it, it was brilliant. Made a lot of money for the charity. Yeah, it's and, fantastic. Um, yeah, and we... Um, it, made, it started us with a new career. <laughs> <laughs> because we would then start doing the clubs and doing the song and doing meet and greets and stuff. Yeah. Killed Tinge's career too. <laughs> <laughs> it was much more... You've got the grime artists <laughs> and the Chuckle Brothers. You know, so. It was much more a risk for him, but I, that's why, you know, that's why entertainment's an amazing thing and it's great when people, you know, when the generations meet and when unexpected people meet and get on in that way. And it's a very, you know, it's a catchy song and it's very funny as well. So it's, it's great <laughs> that you, it did so well. Tell me. Tell you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, you know, it's so... I, I, having said that, I've got a new tune coming oh, out. Oh, have you? Yeah, oh, yes, it's, uh, it's house music. Yeah. Called to, uh, The Only Ways to Me to You. <laughs> I don't know why I've used that as well, but there you go. Uh, yes, that's coming out. That's that's really good. I can play it for you. No, I won't play it for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find it, we'll find it. Uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll get on to the, your, your new career... A little bit later, maybe, but yeah, it's. Um, well, I was just watching in the dressing room just before we with you, you and I mean, you are you, you're a very good actor, and it's uh, both of you are fantastic actors. And you and shortly before Barry died, you did uh, a short film together about jo Joseph Grimaldi, Joe Grimaldi. Oh, the, Grimaldi, the yeah, it was lovely, yeah. Um, which is really worth seeing, an award-winning, and Barry won awards for it, and it's it's. Yeah, I mean, it, we we were the tops. Obviously, no, no. But Barry, Barry played Grimaldi. Yeah, the name was the old Grimaldi. Um, he, he did it really well. Yeah. But it, it went on festivals all all over the all over the world, and he got best supporting actor in Moscow. And we thought Moscow supporting actor. He's <laughs> playing Grimaldi. He's the top. But there you go. But it was it was brilliant to see it on the big screen. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've seen it many times on talking pictures. You know, on the telly, it's good, still good, but it, it doesn't look as good as it did on the big screen, seeing on, on the silver screen. No, but it's beautiful. It's also, because you know, it's quite rare. I think when even when com comedians are portrayed on film, mm. they often have actors who aren't comedians playing, like stand-up. You see stand-ups, and it's never quite right. Yeah. But the routines in it are, are beautiful, and you both are fan. You know, they're they're, they're very very funny routines of Grimaldi yeah, that yeah, you're presumably yeah. recreating. I mean, how, did, how to what extent is it? Guesswork with that, or is there is there like? No, we had a, we we, we looked back in the yeah we looked back in the archives of him. Grimaldi yeah. was the first funny clown. Yeah, you know that in, in Europe, I think he was Italian, but he was the first clown, um, and uh, he went down in history. He was a funny guy, and he had, which was me playing the part, a partner, 
not his brother, a partner. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was really sad. Uh, looking back at it, when I watch it now, it, it's very sad because um, the, the last scene, I carry him on stage, put him down and say goodbye and walk off and he dies on stage. So it, it is really sad for me watching it now. Yeah, and you, and Barry didn't... Is it true he didn't let you know that he was ill because he wanted to keep, keep working? Uh, exactly. He, he wanted to keep working. Uh, and he knew if I knew that he'd got cancer, yeah. bone cancer, I would say, and our manager would have done the same. They would have said, get yourself sorted, you know, get in, have chemo, do all the bits, what have you. But he didn't want that. He'd always said, right from a middle age that if he ever got cancer, he wouldn't have chemotherapy. He'd seen so many people lose their hair, being sick and poorly. He'd, he'd just let it go. And I used to argue with him, say, well, that's stupid, that. Life is worth living, you know. I, yeah. I love life. I enjoy every minute of life. And even if it meant you're going through sickness and pain, if it could keep you alive, do it. But he always just said he wouldn't. And obviously, he lived up to it because he didn't tell us till, until he couldn't walk. I went round to, um, we were going down to do a thing for sports relief, a sketch with Chris Kamara, and uh, taxi picked me up, went to his house to pick him up, and he struggled to get out of the house. I looked, you know, really, you know, what are you doing? He's struggling to lift his feet to get over the doorstep to come out to the car. And um, sorry about this, I know it's really sad, it's sad for me. <laughs> He struggled to get to the car and we talked all the way to the station and, and I said, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? You know, we can always ring up and say we can't do it. Well, we can't let him down, he's saying, you know. it's. And I said, yeah, but it's going to look bad, you're trying to walk in looking like that. You know, they're all going to say what's, what's wrong, what have you, what is wrong? And uh, that's when he told me what right. he'd got. And I said, look, I've got to phone Phil, tell him that we can't do it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he went home, and the next day I get a phone call from his wife, Anne, who says that uh, he can't get out of bed. He'd lost the use of his legs totally. And that was awful, and it just went from there. Yeah. About eight weeks later, he'd, he'd gone. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's so hard to understand how it, would, how it would hit you, because obviously it's not just your... I mean, it's your brother, it's your work partner, it's obviously everything, and so for... Best mate, everything. Yeah, so it's... It's for you. It's it's such a a blow and such a you know such a to, to even try and come back from that at all is is amazing. It was yeah. But w when he was ill, obviously I was going to see him and what have you. And um, you know he said you must carry on in the business. You know don't pack it in. I said yeah, but you know you were half of me. Yeah. You know I'll only be half what what I was. You know without you. And he said, yeah, you'll find something. You, you, know, you just keep going, just keep doing something. And a few days after that, we were asked to do the um, a, a gig in Cardiff club, nightclub. And people had said for a long time, why don't you do DJ stuff? You know, people will love it, you know, if you were up there playing the music. And Barry never wanted to. He wasn't a party animal like me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they came in and said, well, Barry can't do it. He's not well. And I asked Barry if he minded if I did it myself, doing the DJ thing. And he said, no, you crack on, do it, you know. And uh, that wasn't till the October, that gig. Uh, and he passed away in August. But uh, I went in and did it. And uh, it was brilliant. And, yeah. and loads more clubs came in for me. And that started that. Then I, I did pantomime at um, oh, somewhere. I can't remember what it is. I did pantomime that year yeah. on my own for the first time. I'd never been on stage on my own, never, no. except for DJing, yeah. different thing. And I remember standing in the wings, waiting for my entrance, and the music playing, Chuckle Vision playing. And Barry is always at the other side, and we come on opposites and turn and walk down the front, and he wasn't there. But I, I could swear I could see him to the side of the stage. Right. And, you know, he's, he's nodding and winking at me, and... Uh, Give me confidence to walk on stage. Yeah. And the audience lifted me beautifully as I walked on. Well, I mean, I think there's so much love for for that act, and I think that's so, it's so wonderful that he you had that chance for him to say 
I want you to carry on. Yeah, that was um, lovely. And, you know, and I think it's, and also you have to carry on. You know, that's, you've had this long career, such a long career just to sort of end it. And it's, it's so amazing you've found this, yeah. you know, something that works, that's different, but still yeah. the same, you know. So yeah. it's, and I, I still do uh, TV, I still yeah. do, uh, you know, Doctors. Yeah, Doctors. And then I do, <laughs> but then last year I did Madame Blanc Mysteries. Yep. With, yeah, with, 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 is Robin Sa Asquith in that? Was that the Robin Rob was in it, yeah. 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 Sally Lindsay. Yeah. She wrote it. Sue Vincent. Um, and Marigold Hotel, Hotel, you think you did that? Thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in, in India, that was yeah. really good. I've got some good mates from that. Duncan Bannatyne, Henry Blofeld, big mates now. Yeah. You know, we had a great time. And uh, Pointless? So that, how'd you get on in Pointless? Have you, have you, have you, you've done it a few times, right? Is he trying to embarrass me? <laughs> yeah, I've done it a few times. We, we got to the final once. Right. Um, we were out first round once. Yeah. Second round once. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like my. This but, is the same for me. I've I've been out, I've done everything. Out first, out second, out third, out fourth. Yeah, uh, yeah. Won, won it. You, you won it. We won it. Like the last time we let me and Les Dennis. Can we change the subject? <laughs> what about what about Celebrity Mastermind? How did you get on on Celebrity Mastermind? Mastermind. No, yeah. hey, hey, <laughs> me, Paul Chuckle, Celebrity Mastermind. <laughs> I came last. <laughs> no, no, but it, it wasn't bad. I got I got ten points, and the the game before that yeah. they've called and that before. Four points won it. What? Mind you, Bez was one of the characters. <laughs> that. So, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I got ten points and I got in the last. The thirteen won it. Twelve was second. Eleven was third. Oh, that's oh, I was fourth. Cool. Never mind. I got thirty-four points and didn't win. Uh, so I'm not. I'm not bitter about it. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and. Uh, well, look, there's a couple. Well, this is something. Is this true that the theme you'd mentioned the Chuckle Brothers theme tune, which is an amazing piece of music that does not leave your brain once you've thought of it? No, Dave so, Cook, <laughs> incredible stuff. Did it? Did it? A girl in a coma get played the Chuckle Brothers <laughs> theme tune? Have you heard this story? No. Oh uh, yes. Oh yes. Yes. The girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what a what a story that was. Yeah. We were working Basingstoke, and um, we got a message round that. Um, could this woman and her daughter come round to meet us because she'd been in a coma and now she's she's well again, you know, and they're, they're so happy, but she's a big fan. Would you mind meeting her? We said, oh, not at all, bring her round. So they came round and she told us a story. I was in floods of tears. This, uh, this little girl was really seriously ill and she'd been in a coma for a week. And on the Friday, they, they called her, the mother in, and said... If she doesn't come out of the coma on, by Monday morning, we're going to have to turn the machines off because you know there's, there's no activity, nothing. And this, she was in tears, saying, "Well, what can I do?" And they said, "Well, talk to her, you know, talk to her about things she likes and what have you." And, and uh, she, she suddenly thought, "Chucklevision." She absolutely adored Chucklevision. She she lived Chucklevision all the time. She said, "I'll go home," and she recorded on a, on a little tape recorder. Uh, chuck a vision, chuck a trip, the whole thing over and over again. And she put it at the side of her bed and played it. And it was on for about two minutes. And her eyes opened, so she smiled <laughs> and said, Is it on, mummy? <laughs> uh, it, uh, tears in my eyes. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it brought her around. Yeah. You know, otherwise, she'd have had the machine turned off and, and she was dead. So, you know, we'd actually saved a little girl's life. It's amazing. It was real. Tears were running down my face when she telling us the story. And what a lovely little girl with big smiles she had, you know, and everything. Oh. Well, that's amazing. And also, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this, it's a, but there's, there's a picture of you and Barry that has my favourite optical illusion that you ever... Are you oh, aware yeah. of the fact I'm talking Leeds, about? If not, if the Chuckle Brothers did nothing else... No, Prism Nightclub Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. What a, a fabulous cocktail that was. <laughs> Have you seen this picture? There's a very pretty girl on the Chocolate Brothers either side, and just the way <laughs> she's, <old> that, <laughs> she's got a glass, just the way her arm is uh, got a bit of hair across the top. So I'm interested to see how you're going to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd all remember it. Look, I'll put it up with, with the podcast. Yeah, get it uh, on I've got it on my phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it just looks I. like Barry's got an enormous a penis <laughs> point, point, pointing up. Like, very big. Oh, and I like yeah. to think that that was 
what what he had. I don't don't spoil the illusion. No, it was a cocktail. <laughs> it was just it was a glass with a cock, and it was very very nice. So if no, if the Chuckle Brothers had done nothing else, that would be enough for me. But uh, they did much much more. It, it, it's it's it, it was a real pleasure. I have to say, going back and watching that stuff again. And uh, you did a show on Channel Five briefly, didn't you? Yeah. Just just before Barry died. Before die. But you you got plans to bring the, the, the Chuckle Brothers back in cartoon form. We are, actually, it's animation, Chuckle, Chuckle Vision. Well, it's going to be called Chuckle's World, because right. BBC owned Chuckle Vision. Right. And uh, <laughs> we're not allowed to use it, but yeah, we're going to do Chuckle's World. It's going to be exactly the same, doing the same stuff that me and Barry did, but it's a cartoon version. Hopefully it does as well as Mr Bean did. Yeah. With that. With that. Well, yeah, half of Mr Bean would do, wouldn't it? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. A quarter will do me, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> So that's amazing. And, and you, you're DJing, you are in Skegness last night? I am, yes. I was uh, Butlin's Weekender, uh, <laughs> 90s, 90s Weekender, and I was, because uh, I, I DJ stuff now. I'm, I like, I love house music, and I just play it wildly, even at home I do. And uh, I did all the 90s stuff last night, and I loved it again. Yeah. The week before, I was at Minehead doing a, a, a noughties week. Not noughties, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Butlins has always been a notice weekend, <laughs> hasn't it? Really? Yeah, and playing all the two thousands yeah. uh, music, and uh, I love it, absolutely love it. And, I, and I do the, clubs as well. And I saw, the, I saw you recently. At the, I was, my wife had been nominated for an award at the Writers Guild Award, and you were presenting some uh, some awards there. And just, with it was amazing to see the reactions to you because it was a room full of quite <laughs> highbrow, you know, Excuse people into intellectual people who went nuts yeah. for you. They, I mean, they went nuts they, for they you. They did, yeah, they were really good. And everyone was taking selfies and putting them all over, all over Twitter the next day. Yeah. Is, is that the reaction you get everywhere? Is that, is, is it? It is more or yeah. less, until tonight. But... <laughs> yeah. <He's... laughs> no, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, and Gail Renard is down here. Yeah. Who was, who was uh, one of the chiefs of the Writers Guild. Uh, I don't know if you know the name, but uh, do you remember John Lennon and Yoko Ono having the, Sleeping, yeah, in the bed in. I do. And there was a young sixteen-year-old girl that was doing the mediation between the oh. press and everything for the whole week. Right. That's Gail Renard. Wow. She's down there. You should have her one night. Okay. I don't mean should have her on one the night. show. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you should get her on the show for definite. She's brilliant. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yes, definitely. Uh, and so yeah, and and you are you writing a second? You've written one book about your life, and you're up to the Chuckle Brothers, and you're writing. I have, yeah. I wrote fif fifty years of to me to you. Yeah. Uh, which has been out about uh, ooh, six, seven years now. Uh, it's sold about two and two hundred and twenty copies. That's good. So far. Yeah, it's doing. <laughs> it's up in the charts. It's heading there. <laughs> but that that finished the story finished in nineteen eighty seven when Chucklevision started. Yeah. So I'm writing the new book now from Chucklevision years from eighty seven till till now. Cool. I've done it, a couple of things. It's amazing to see. You know, it's amazing that you. That I just love a career that's, that man and boy. And that keeps going, you know. And I think that as a comedian, that's all I aspire to is still. And you're, you're incredibly, you're, you're, uh, can you mind me saying you're nearly 75 years old? I am. And you do not look 75 years old. You, all this DJing and staying up late and drinking pints of whiskey. Me, you know that. I do. I I'll give it a go. I'm going to take it where you can get it at my age for. Uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's inspirational and it's amazing. And you've been through lots of things in your life. And I think, you know, losing your, your brother and your double act partner in that way is. Is such a huge blow. Yeah. So for for you to still be pushing on and still doing all of this stuff is incredible. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I'm absolute inspiration and legend, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Paul Chuckle. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers. We can go now. We can go. We can go. You want me to go? He's only telling me to go. You can stay if you want. We'll be back next week with another guest. listening to Rahala Stapa with me Richard Herring and my guest Paul Chuckle thank you very much to Scant Regard for providing this theme tune uh, I am indebted to my producer Ben Walker uh, also to Chris Evans not that one and all the team at Go Faster Stripe thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre it's lovely to be back thank you to everyone at Acast you're all lovely too I also need to thank some of the people who gave money to the Kickstarter campaign they are Sam Pickford Bettina Saunders, Neil Porter, James Spooner, Neil Smith, Dominic Plagique, or Plagique, uh, Eve Black, 
Lozzy Lozzy Lost Pops, Samuel Galton, Sue Elliott, The Red Clothing Company, mm, I love red clothes, Peter Sisson, Ergo Ajesu, sorry if I got that wrong, Julie Bernstein, Name Your Keyring, they were well named, Craig Whiten, Bruce Leckenby, Bill and Dinah Lord, UK Gnome, Baz Slater, Andrew Patterson, Samuel Findlay, Matthew Yeo, Lindsay B, Noel McNulty, Simon Buckmaster, Catherine Compton, Yannick, Tom Anderson, Ryan Lynch, Chris Heathcote, Catherine Haig, Mark Wellman, Ian E. Barkley, Soraya Justin. Don't worry, there'll be loads more of those at the end of every episode for the rest of the series. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Head to GoFasterStripe.com to download my live shows and also buy copies of my beautiful book. Support GoFasterStripe if you can. They've got a monthly membership thing as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful organisation. Thanks for listening. Bye.